because with a lot of what's going on in our culture, it's important for us to realize that homosexuality is a sin like pride is, like covetousness is, like heterosexual sexual immorality. And it's important, we live in a day and age where sexual sins are seen to be the worst type of sins and same-sex sins are seen to be the worst type of the worst type of sins. And as Christians, we know that all sin is in need of salvation. People love to minimize their own sins and maximize the sins of others. The church has been particularly bad at doing that too. And in the realm of sexual sin, homosexuality has for a long time been the boogeyman sin for the church, while playing down the rampant sexual sin inside her own walls. Pastor Daniel will show today that while the Bible speaks of sin a lot, God will judge it on the same level as any other sin we commit. They're all the same. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in Genesis chapter 5 as he begins his message, Prelude to the Flood. All right, let's open up in our Bibles. You know, it dawned on me, I've probably said that in church every Sunday and midweek that I've ever taught, open up in your Bibles to this page. And it dawned on me today that that's a blessing isn't it? You can go to so many places, or you can go to different countries in the world, and you go to church, and they don't even have a Bible in their own language. You should never take it for granted that we could say, hey, open up in our Bibles, and let's go to this page. Now, Genesis chapter 5, and I'm actually going to go through the beginning of Genesis chapter 6 as well. I've called this prelude to the flood. So this is the lead-up to the flood. Now, it's fascinating that Genesis chapter 5 is just a long list of names. That's really what the whole chapter is. And you might say to yourself, what's up with this? And I don't know how many times I've invited people to uh, read the New Testament. And I always have to tell them, listen, Matthew chapter 1, the first 18 verses, just a long list of names. So you can skip over that if you want. If you ever tried, if you've never read the Bible before, you open up Matthew's gospel and This is the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of Abraham, the son of David, and then it goes to a whole list of names. And you're kind of like, what? Why is this important? But you see a lot of genealogies in the Bible. And the idea with the genealogy is this. Its function is to link different characters within the biblical narrative to each other. It's important that we realize that there is a flow to what God is doing. God has a rhythm in the way that he works, and he has a rhythm in the way that these stories are told to us. So here we have in Genesis chapter 5, verse 1, and really what's interesting is you can see this genealogy in in abbreviated form in Luke's genealogy in Luke chapter 3. So the exact same list of names exists in Luke chapter 3. You say, well, why is it in Matthew chapter 1? Well, let me tell you why. Matthew's gospel is written for the Jewish people, and Matthew's heart was to tie Jesus to both David and to Abraham, so that Jesus' genealogy only goes back to Abraham. It stops there. But Luke's gospel 
goes all the way back to Adam. And so Luke's gospel, the end of chapter 3, goes all the way back to Adam. So that's why we find the same list of names in Luke chapter 3. Now, before we get into it, the focus of this genealogy, the main thing that you hear over and over again is the reality that each one of these people died, except for one. We'll see why. Now, you say, well, well, that's really a great thought, Pastor Daniel. Thanks so much. But if you think about it, remember, back in Genesis chapter 3, when they ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, he said, and when you eat of this, you'll surely die. And what you're going to find is that Adam, he's going to die, and Adam's son, Seth, is going to die. And the reality is, is that God means what he says, and the wages of sin is death. Whether we like it or not, whether we'd wish it was another way, that's the reality of it. And as the colloquial saying is, there's two constants in this life, what, death and taxes. But the reality is, is that death is now a firm part of what's going on in the book of Genesis. And we saw it with Cain and Abel, right? First, Adam and Eve had shame, and then Cain kills his brother Abel. And we see the progression of sin. So let's begin. In Genesis chapter 5, verse 1, it says this. This is the book of the genealogy of Adam. In the day that God created man, he made him in the likeness of God. He created them male and female and blessed them and called them mankind in the day that they were created. Verse 3, and Adam lived 130 years and begot a son in his own likeness after his image and named him Seth. After he begot Seth, the days of Adam were 800 years and he had sons and daughters. So all the days Adam lived were 930 years and he died. Now, if you notice that word genealogy in verse 1, that's that word toldot. Remember I, I explained that to you? When we looked at Genesis chapter 2, verse 4, we said that this is the way Genesis is broken up by this word that we translate genealogy. It's the Hebrew word poldot, which literally means the offspring, the generations, or the genealogy. And now, remember in Genesis 2, 4, we saw this is the genealogy of the heavens and the earth. And now we have, this is the book of the genealogy of who? Of Adam. So of Adam. And then we have a little rehashing of what we've already seen. In the day that God created man, he made them in the likeness of God. He created them male and female and blessed them and called them mankind in the day they were created. So we get a little bit of rehashing. God created man. God created man in his own image and likeness. God created them male and female. Pretty simple, right? You would think. But then you look at the day and age that we live in right now. You know, there's a lot going on right now, especially here in Washington, like I saw when I was in California before I moved here, with the redefining of gender. That's what's going on right now. There is an attempt to redefine gender, that there is male, female, and then homosexual. But in the end of the day, there is male and female. This is God's intention in creating humanity. And that was God's purpose, to create them male and female. See, this is why in Romans chapter 1, of course, that when Paul goes to explain the rebellion of humankind and its effects, he uses homosexuality as his example of the simplest perversion of nature. Because God created the male and female. That was the simplest thing that God did. Two different genders. And so when Paul goes to explain the rebellion, he's not saying that homosexuality is the only sin, but he's saying that this is the simplest example of a perversion of the created order. 
And I think it's important because with a lot of what's going on in our culture, it's important for us to realize that homosexuality is a sin like pride is, like covetousness is, like heterosexual sexual immorality. And it's important. We live in a day and age where sexual sins are seen to be the worst type of sins and same-sex sins are seen to be the worst type of the worst type of sins. And as Christians, we know that all sin is in need of salvation. And then maybe whatever your struggle is, it's not that, but that doesn't make them worse than us. We're all the same. We are all sinners in need of a Savior. And would to God, even as we stand for righteousness in our country, that we always say, hey, listen, we are all sinners in need of a Savior. And if you've never struggled with that type of sin, don't worry about it. You have your own struggle. And you need Jesus just as much as everyone else does. And so do I. And that's an important thing because as a church, we should always call a sin a sin, but we should all invite every sinner to come to Jesus. And we should say, listen, it's not us and them. It's all us needing the Lord. And that's a subtle distinction. When we say, oh, those type of sinners. No, no, no. It's us type of sinners. And the only difference between them and us is we've been redeemed by God's free grace. And they were hoping that they'll do the same. And isn't it true that the only way sinners change is by being born again when the Spirit of God works inside our hearts? And that's true for everybody. And would to God that Crossroads would be the type of place that no matter what your struggle is, you could come here, you will hear the word of God. You will be loved in the way that God loves us, even though we all fail in a million ways. In a million ways. So, we have Adam created by God. In verse 3, it says, Adam lived 130 years and begot a son in his own likeness after his image and named himself. Do you notice verse 3 is kind of interesting, isn't it? God created mankind in his, in his image after his likeness. And now we find that Adam is having offspring, notice, in his own likeness after his own image. So God created Adam after God's image and likeness. And now Adam gets the blessing of passing along that image and likeness to his offspring. But what's interesting, the difference between the way Adam was created and now Adam's son Seth was created is that Adam was created in the image and likeness of God. Seth has God's image that Adam received, but Seth also has the sin nature that he got from his first parents. So now we have this thing that we keep in tension, the reality that we're all created in the image and likeness of God, and we're all fatally flawed, warped by a sin nature. Now, every religion realizes this on some level. It's just a matter of what you emphasize. Some, like if you talk to people who hold to more new age beliefs, they're going to focus on we're created in the image and likeness of God. They might not use those words, but we have a spark of divinity. Humans are divine. See, people who are new age realize that humans are special, unique, but they want to de-emphasize the fatal flaw. Or there's a whole bunch of other people who say, oh, humanity is terrible. A lot of Christians are like that. Focusing on the warping. But as Christians, we are called to hold these two things in perfect tension. When we see somebody, we say, that's someone created in the image and likeness of God. God has a stamp on that person. Everybody. But at the same time, we say, but there's a fatal flaw there. They've got that sin nature that they got from Adam that we all got. See, it's just like the divinity and humanity of Jesus. It's hard to hold those in tension, isn't it? 
Sometimes we want to say, oh, Jesus, he was God. Of course it was easy for him. Ah, but he was fully God and fully man. Or some people want to make Jesus so humanly that he's not divine, so human. We hold these things in tension just the way we look at humanity. Seth received the image of Adam, his father, which is both the image of God and also the fallenness of humanity. This is the doctrine that they call original sin. Now, I know there's someone in here who's like, I don't believe in original sin. I don't know why you Christians believe that. And I would say, all you have to do is look at little children. I have two great kids. I love them to death. Obadiah, he's seven. Maranatha, she's almost four. If you haven't met them, you're missing out, man. They're so cool. But it's an amazing thing because I never taught Obadiah how to lie to protect himself. I didn't sit down one day and say, no, listen, Obadiah. Okay, let me, I'll tell you a story. This is a fun story. This is a really good story. Actually, we won't use Obadiah. He always gets the bad. We'll use Maranatha. Okay, so you guys, if you haven't realized it, in our welcome center, in our welcome center, they give out cookies to the guests. You guys know that, right? So sure enough, my daughter Maranatha has found out about this. And when we first got here, we were in the Welcome Center, and for those of you who work in the Welcome Center, you know my daughter real well. Someone said, oh, you know, Pastor Dan, your kids can come get cookies in here anytime they want, right? And so sure enough, my kids were like, ooh, free cookies, great, you know? <laughs> so sure enough, over time, Maranatha goes in there on her own and gets cookies, and after a while, the folks in there are like, you know, you can't just come in here and get cookies every Sunday, young lady, <laughs> right? These are just for the visitors. So sure enough, two weeks ago, my father and his wife are in town, right? And it's great because Maranatha grabs her Nana and says, Nana, come on, come on. Takes her, walks her into the welcome center and goes, she's new. <laughs> My daughter Maranatha, she can hold up a sign, we'll evangelize for cookies. <laughs> but you think about it, it's like, you know, what a little sinner she is, you know? <laughs> it has nothing to do with seeing her nana, you know, believe in Jesus. It has everything to do with just give me a cookie. <laughs> I never taught her that. But she just figured it out. I can just see every week, Maranatha just walking, come here, come on. Shh, he's new. <laughs> Original sin at its finest, you know? All for a cookie. But it's true, though. You look at little kids. You never teach them how to lie to protect themselves. You know, they come in. There's just a mess. Who did this? I don't know. The only kid in the house, you know. It wasn't me. I don't know what happened. You see what I'm talking about? We all know this. We all do this. Original sin, just like that. Now, I'm only three verses in. We're going to be here all night. <laughs> Notice, it says that Adam was 130 when Seth was born, okay? He was 130 when Seth was born. And then it says, of course, in verse 4, and he begot Seth in the days of Adam were 800 years, and he had sons and daughters, and all the days Adam lived were 930 years, and he died. You know how many kids you can have in 800 years? <laughs> I want to just get this out of the way. We're going to get to move a little faster after this. But people always say, how is it possible that people live to be so long? Right? How many people read that? Like, how they live to be 930 years? Listen, don't forget this. When God created Adam and Eve, he created them to live eternally. 
eternally. So they were supposed to live forever. Because sin happened, Adam only makes it to be 930 years, and then he dies. But you'll notice that the ages, they become shorter and shorter. And then once the flood happens, they become really short. And the age span of people historically continued to get shorter and shorter until the Industrial Revolution with the advent of modern medicine, and now people are living longer again. But it really shows the effects of sin. These men lived a long time, a long time. Now, as it goes on in verse 6, we get this. Seth lived 105 years, and he begot Enosh. After he begot Enosh, Seth lived 870 years and had sons and daughters. And so all the days of Seth were 912 years, and he died. Enosh lived 90 years and begot Canaan. After he begot Canaan, Enosh lived 815 years and had sons and daughters, so all the days of Enosh were 905 years, and he died. In verse 12, Canaan lived 70 years and begot Mahalel. After he begot Mahalel, Canaan lived 840 years and had sons and daughters, and all the days of Canaan were 910 years, and he died. Mahalel lived 65 years, and he begot Jared. After he begot Jared, Mahalel lived 830 years and had sons and daughters, so all the days of Mahalel were 8 195 years, and he died. Now, you see the flow here, right? If you notice, and I think this is important, when you're looking at a genealogy, genealogies are not exhaustive. They're only giving one of their many sons and daughters, okay? And we have to realize that because I think in a lot of the discussions that people have about how old the earth is, they make the assumption that every genealogy is exhaustive. And I don't know that you really can because they have tons of sons and daughters, but they're only saying they begot this person, this person begot this person. And it's the same flow. This is how old they were. This is when they had the child who was going to be part of this lineage. They lived longer. They had more offspring, and then they died over and over and over again. Now, things, of course, start to get a little weird because look at what happens here. We ended with Jared in verse 18. Jared lived 162 years, and he begot Enoch. After he begot Enoch, Jared lived 800 years and had sons and daughters. So all the days of Jared were 962 years, and he died. Enoch lived 65 years and begot Methuselah. After he begot, that's a great name. If you folks having babies, you're looking for a boy named Methuselah, unique. No one's got that one for a long time. So it's a good one, Methuselah. I'm going to hold someone to that. I can't wait to be dedicating a Methuselah on like next year. Lord, bust Methuselah. <laughs> now, look at what happens here. In verse 22, after he begot Methuselah, Enoch walked with God 300 years and had sons and daughters. And all the days of Enoch were 365 years. And Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. What? See, this is different all of a sudden. We get this reality that Enoch walked with God for 300 years. That's what it says right here in verse 22. In verse 24, Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. In this string of death, each generation, this person lives and then dies. This person lives and dies. This person lives and dies. We keep seeing death over and over again until you get to Enoch, and we find a man who found life in the midst of a world of death. This is important. How is it possible that everyone lived and then died, lived and then died, but then you get this one guy, he walked with God, 
and it never says that he died. It says he was not, for God took him. This is important because God, in a world of death, calls people to walk with him and find life. And the question for us today is, have you found life? In a world of sin and shame and death, have you found life? And that life is in Christ, in the Son of God, in Jesus who died on a cross and rose again. Have you found life? Enoch did. It says this in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 5. Hebrews 11, if you recall, is the hall of faith. You guys know the hall of fame? You guys have heard of this? Every sport has it where the best of the best, they go in the hall of fame. We have the hall of faith, Hebrews 5. People who are faithful to God, it says this, Hebrews eleven five. It says, by faith, Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death and was not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. It's interesting that the writer to the Hebrews says that Enoch pleased God, but our Bible says that Enoch walked with God. Does that teach us something? What pleases God? That we walk with him. See, we are relational because God is relational. And God desires for humanity to essentially have relationship with him. And that doesn't mean that when you walk with God, everything goes perfectly, everything goes great, nothing ever goes wrong. We're just healthy, wealthy, wise, perpetually good-looking all the days of our lives. God asks that we walk with him. And that is where God is pleased. When you and I wake up every day and say, you know, God, I just want to be with you today. I want to walk in your spirit today. God, I want to know you. When was the last time you woke up in the morning and you said, Lord, I don't have a clue what's going to happen right now, but whatever it is, I'm going to walk with you. When was the last time you got to the end of your day and you said, you know what? Well, whatever, Lord. That's what you had for today. It seems simple even to talk that way, but that's the way we should live our lives. I don't know what happened in your life today, but I do know that God's with you, whatever's going on today. When was the last time, no matter what your day looked like, you said, Lord, just bear the fruit you want to bear in my life? I don't know why this happened. I don't know why the car broke down. I don't know why I got laid off, God. I don't know why, but you know what? You know why. Bear the fruit in my life. I trust you. I believe in you. That's what walking with God's all about. It doesn't mean it's all easy. It doesn't mean it all rolls smoothly. I love this. Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. Jesus is real. In his teaching today, Pastor Daniel reminded us that God always keeps his promises. And in this chapter, we see God's promise of death for everyone fulfilled. Over and over, you hear about people being born and then dying, except for one guy, Enoch. Pastor Daniel talked about why it might have been that God took Enoch, and you also found out how horrible the people are acting in ways that we can't even comprehend. Hey everyone, there's a lot happening in the world, and it can keep you pretty busy. 
But I want to encourage you to take some time and devote it to your spiritual growth. I know God wants to do something in your life, and I'm excited for you to discover exactly what that is. Come join me for a worship service at Crossroads Community Church Online so I can share the Bible with you. Join me online at crossroadschurch.net or find me on Facebook Live. We're so glad we can be a part of your life through the ministry of Jesus is Real Radio. Would you like to be a part of what we're doing? We would like to ask that you prayerfully consider becoming a financial partner of this program. Your contribution, no matter the size, will be used to reach people with the gospel message. Find out more at JesusIsRealRadio.com. Thank you for partnering with us. Make sure to tune in again as Pastor Daniel will share the conclusion of his teaching, Prelude to the Flood. You'll hear again the amazing plan of God as he inspires people to name their children in such a way that when you line them up, it gives mankind a message of hope, even in the midst of a continued descent by the people into worse and worse evil behavior. There is more to come from Pastor Daniel's series called Origins. Please glance at the clock right now and make plans to join us again for another edition of Jesus is Real Radio.